hello, Beer. Mm-hmm. Hello, Jack. Hello, listeners. Hello, Simon. Hello, neighbors outside my window. I haven't pulled the blinds down. I should do that. Don't you live high up? Yep, but people live higher up than I do. Ah. I do not live, in fact, on top of the world. That's a shame. Looking down, down on creation. <sighs> so we had fun the other day. Liar. Well, I had fun the other day. All right, good. I had Mike fun the call- other day, too. Oh, Mike, okay, call- Mike, Mike caused you pain. Mike caused me pain? It might, it might have caused you pain, me having fun, but... Oh. When I was the mole and I wouldn't stop breaking walls down. Oh, God. I had gone to my happy place and forgotten. You know, and I was the, I was the locksmith that apparently couldn't open locks. <laughs> hey, guys, I've opened the door. <laughs> Simon, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the door that was in what used to be the wall? Um, I'm hoping we can get that up, but uh, I, I tried I to so. open it to edit it, and it crashed my computer because the file is enormous. It's just that damn good. You know what we should do next time is Left 4 Dead. We really should, because Left 4 Dead is amazing. But what I'm actually going to be twitching in the near future is Alien Isolation. <laughs> because who doesn't love a Let's Play of someone just shitting themselves in just, fear? Just hiding in a locker for the entire episode. Because <laughs> I, I bought it. I caved because I read some really good reviews. That's good. And I fired it up earlier just before doing the show. And wandered around like the first ship you wake up on, which is a safe area, let's be clear. There's no (laughs) alien there, as far as I'm aware of. Right. Um, And I still found myself jumping at every tiny sound, because it's it's perfect. It is (laughs) such a good recreation of the world Ridley Scott put together for the original Alien. The detail is just amazing. Oh, man. I I fell in love immediately. I was like, yes, I'm... It looks like they, they've got little bits and pieces of like personality and clutter scutter, uh, just scattered around the place. And it looks like a props guy from the 70s has bought things that he thinks look futury and put them <laughs> on the set. <laughs> Which is perfect, really. Which is exactly. how, how it works, right? Creative Assembly said they had a rule. There would be nothing appearing on screen that couldn't have been on screen in the 70s. Perfect. That's amazing. It works. It's so good. And they said the alien itself is an absolutely faithful tribute to the original movie Alien, apart from the feet. Because the feet of the alien looked a bit shit because they were a guy's feet. (laughs) And and because they said, you'll spend a lot of time hiding under things looking at those feet. So we made them look (laughs) a bit more convincing. (laughs) Fair enough. That works for me. Nice. Artistic license, that is. But yeah, even though I know this is this is not the part of the game where there is an alien, I hear a door go in another part of the ship, and I'm like, "The fuck was that? Who is there? What <laughs> is it? Is it like the opening to AVP two as the Marine? And you just oh, sorry, yeah. where nothing actually happens, but you do you hear the Predator? You see a body like go off into the vents? No, as as not, as not even as that. As far as I'm aware, there's nothing scary on this ship. We're just going to where the scariness is. <laughs> There's nothing scary on the ship, but that doesn't stop you being absolutely pants-wettingly terrified of it all. Well, because the thing is, I think there's nothing scary on this ship. Because right. I know that the game is set on the Sevastopol station, and that's gone into meltdown, and the robots are insane, and parts of it are on fire, and there's an alien. 
and I'm on a ship. I haven't arrived at Sevastopol yet. Right. I'm, I'm on a ship that looks really like the Nostromo <laughs> with like five people. And I'm Uh-oh. just thinking, do we bring the alien? <laughs> I don't know there isn't an alien on this ship. Maybe there is, inside one of your crewmates. Exactly. Wouldn't it be sad not to have a chestburster sequence, after all? So yep. I'm, I'm jumping at shadows already, because I'm like, I'm not convinced I'm safe, guys. Hey, I'm... hey, Simon, Simon, you know what the cure is then, then, do you, don't you? Kill, Kill all your crewmates. <laughs> yeah. Then they yeah, can't if that was you, an then. option. If that was an option, I might, because they're all creeping me out. But I'll, I'll be starting over for the Twitch anyway. Awesome, I'm going to watch the shit out of that. I'm not. You know what I'll be doing? <laughs> not when even I watch... while I'm doing it. I'll be there, constantly just going like, did you hear that? Guys, you sound, you sound very broken. I can't hear you, Jack. You sound really broken. Jack is joining us from the era of 8-bit sound. How's it in there, Mr. Fucking Simon? Come up with a, an 8-bit game. There's so many. Let's yeah, go. I know. That's why I fell down. Oh, God. Choice paralysis. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how, how about now? That's much better. You no longer well, sound was... like the Revenge of Ganon. You know, we John, haven't John. started the show. Welcome to World One Stage One. I only got talked over a little bit, and I am Simon. And joining me is Jack. Hello. I only talked over you because I was going to say a thing, and then you started, and I didn't realize you were going to start. I do apologize. I like to catch you by surprise sometimes. Oh and my! On the other end of a terrible internet connection, Irish. Yay! Irish, tell us I... how is life back there in 1991? <laughs> Boring. Oh. It's not how I remember it. All the enthusiasm you had for your internet connection there reminded me of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I'm now all caught up on. <laughs> How so? Still haven't seen any of it. There is a wonderful moment when, uh, without going into too many spoil- uh, spoilers, you've probably seen at this point um, Winter Soldier, so you know that S.H.I.E.L.D. was not going to go well for them. Yeah. So there's a bit of a fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. And their big airplane gets stolen, and then they steal it back, and it's all fucked up. Yeah. And Coulson is wandering around getting a status report on how many things don't work on board his plane. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Coulson's alive? Spoilers. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he walks into the sort of the briefing room. He's like, Sky, give me good news. We have internet. And Coulson just looks at her and goes, Yay! Also, I've just lowered my standards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's actually a really good show. I'm, I, yes, I do Coulson is alive. It. Huh. And in every episode. Cool. It's the Phil Coulson show. I like people being in things. It's like a, 
it's like I said, you know, it's a few as I get through the the first so many hump, and then it just gets better. Yes. Get over the hump. There is definitely a bit where it gets good, and it is shortly before the Winter Soldier stuff. Ah, okay. When they came down out of their sort of holding pattern of waiting for Cap A two to come out. They kind of build up to it a little bit. It's just they couldn't go too hard and heavy on the whole centipede, in inverted commas, storyline, uh, without giving away who centipede really were too quickly. Spoilers. Oh. Uh, hail centipede. Indeed. I don't care if I spoil stuff. I can't spoil something <laughs> I've never seen, right? Also, it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not a subtly written show. And yeah. also... Winter Soldier was a phenomenal movie that a lot of people saw. So to say that, hey, guess what? Hydra have infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. at the highest levels. Oh, no. And if you if that's a spoiler <laughs> to you, that means you haven't watched uh, Winter Soldier yet. And, and that means you're a terrible me. person. Yeah. Yep. We, we like, seriously, like just go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, I mean, I may, I may love you and all, but if you, I mean, I'm sorry. No. Persona non grata. <laughs> But along the way, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. also gets cameos from Sam Jackson. Awesome. Maria Hill. So awesome. I was going to uh, say, wait, Samuel L. Jackson and Maria Hill. Yes. Wait a minute. One of these is a character. <laughs> well, it's true. They are both in it. Let's face it. Sam Jackson plays Sam Jackson. Yes. People might address him as Nick Fury, but he is Sam Jackson. <laughs> and Lucy Lawless turns up as well. Sweet. She was Only one of the, briefly, like, sadly. True, but she was one of like the few bits in uh, BSG that I really liked. Oh, and uh, Lady Sif as well, Jamie Alexander. Oh, okay, cool. I am. There is all about an episode this. where Lorelai escapes Asgard because yeah. if you watch the Dark World, of course, they let all the prisoners out of Asgard. Yeah. So to tie in again, Lorelai fucks off to Midgard because <laughs> hey, I have magical powers over mortal men. Yeah. And so Sif turns up after her, just going. Right, where's Lorelai? Can you help me find her? That is awesome. I'm going to have to start watching this show now. It Unfortunately, cool. yeah, I'm, I'm picking the worst possible time when I'm going to be moving house at the end of this month. So, not by the time this this episode airs, but not sh not long after this episode airs, I will be moving into uh, uh, World One Stage with HQ Three. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Fury's secret World One Stage headquarters. <laughs> the biggest World One Stage when H headquarters. Yeah, H quarters. That'll work. So it probably is Nick Fury's secret bunker. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. It's the perfect time. Just download all the episodes before you go, and then in that long period of time when they don't give you internet, uh, you'll have something to watch. I'm going to try and see if version can turn up literally the day I move in. Good luck with that. Yeah. I'm hoping for a lot. Yeah, we tried that with Sky. I tried that with Hyperoptic here. It did not work. Is, is a Sky one of those ones where they do like the packages where everything comes together, like TV and, and internet and whatnot? Yes. Because yeah. it may be really simple then, because there is already a Skybox in the house. Okay. So that might be really simple then. Well, if you've got a Skybox and a Sky... Uh, satellite dish and stuff already it can be fairly simple on that it would be like turning it all back on nice and I know how to turn things on and set up a new account sort of thing but yeah um, unless you're going to get the fibre optic with Sky don't get Sky internet <laughs> no 
well, this is the problem I'm having. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. With your, with your moon connection. Your connection on the moon. Indeed. Yep. Wait, the moon? No, actually, no. I don't think we're at Segway Station yet. No. We might be. Unless anyone went to the cinema. Oh! Oh! Um, hang on. Did I? No. No. Oh, Me, shit. Yeah. No, I didn't. I nearly did. I nearly did. I, I nearly went to go see Dracula Untold. Top quality <laughs> storytelling. Yeah. How was it nearly? Um, it was very nearly not... It was awful. You know what? I don't even need to go see it. It's... <sighs> Dracula's, you've never seen it before, except exactly as you've always seen it before in every Dracula film. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Just... You know what? I had such... I don't, for those of you who haven't seen the Tumblr post, I had such high hopes when I saw <laughs> this concept, cool. right? When I was like... They said... Dracula Untold, the story of Dracula is you've never seen it before on the big screen. And then all these shots of like medieval, uh, med- medieval Romania and Carpathian mountains and, and, and Ottoman troops coming over and, and sort of demanding uh, a tithe of young boys to, to recruit into the Ottoman army. And I'm like, oh my God, they're actually going to do like the whole uh, Vlad Tepes's, um feud with, with, the, with the Ottoman, with, I think it was Mehmed, I, f- I forget who the, 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 the sultan was at the time. Um, but like, and the whole essential uh, super soldier program that the Ottoman Empire had at the time, where they would basically take children from various places that they conquered, feed them on a massively high protein and carb diet, and make them fight for like 18 hours a day, and bred them to be super soldiers. And much like every sci-fi, it kind of came back to bite them in the ass. Um, and I thought, that's going to be an amazing movie. And then like go on about how he sort of became defender of the faith and... And like corrupted his his role as like the the man of the church to basically like completely fuck over his own people and start his own private wars. This is going to be a really interesting, amazing. For he just turned into a giant fist made out of bats, didn't he? <laughs> he drinks Charles Dance's blood and turns into a giant fist made out of bats. So your reaction to that really reminded me of my reaction to the movie of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I know, right? <laughs> the comparison between the book, which handles Mina Harker, who, for anyone who's not read it, is the wife of Jonathan Harker, the main epistolary author of the Dracula novel. And it's a lot of the driving force in the Dracula novel. She's sort of why he comes to England. Yes, she's a, a crucial character. Yeah. who turns up in Alan Moore's comic book, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is uh, basically fan fiction of a bunch of romantic and Victorian-era heroes teaming up to make a sort of steampunk Justice League, basically. And none of them are quite how you'd want them to be, really. No, they're all quite Alan Moore's take on them. They're all a bit racist, rapey, oh god, Broken. horrible. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But throughout the book, Mina is the most subtly handled at all times. She wears this scarf and refers to some unpleasantness in Transylvania. Yeah. But they go no further than that. I believe you do at one point see like two bite, two pinpricks in her, in her throat. I think that's as explicit as it gets. Yes. Yeah, when, when the scarf comes off in the woods before they nearly get attacked by Rupert the Bear. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, she just is unnaturally calm, unnaturally uh, charismatic. But mm-hmm. no more is said. Yeah. In the film, of course, she does turn into a cloud of a thousand bats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The film's got a lot wrong with it. Huck Shortly Finn. before Huck Finn yells, get in the car. 
It's um, a horseless carriage. It's an well, automobile. It is an automobile. That is what Nemo called it, and Nemo invented it and has just showed it to you for the first time. You have never seen anything of its like. Why are you yelling, get in the car, you fucking American? <laughs> Incidentally, there were no Americans in the book. That was I mean, just Hollywood adding if, an American. If, if you're going to throw another character in there, I mean, I, I, Huck Finn isn't exactly like the worst person you could throw in there, I suppose. It, it, it's a, it is an, a, a he, he would be a sort of... Uh, time-appropriate character. Not a, not a location-appropriate character, but I suppose if you're going world-hopping and you want to do something a bit different... If you're going to pick an American character to throw in there, you could do a lot worse. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I can totally imagine how it would have been handled if they'd stayed true to the book with Huck Finn, because, you know, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, race is kind of a very important aspect of those stories and is in League of Extraordinary, Extraordinary Gentlemen, the book. But there's none of that in the movie. No. No. No, there's explosions, Wait. clouds of bats, there's cars. When, during your, your short time as a film critic, didn't League of Extraordinary Gentlemen have the your shortest review? Yes. The review that read in its entirety, I was watching this film in the comfort of my own home and still got up and left. <laughs> nice. Yep. That, is, that is why I no longer had a career as a film critic. <laughs> Jeez. Uh... Good times. That's not true, but it's quite funny to say that. Yeah. The, the reason is the site went bust. But, um, yeah, that was not a film I enjoyed. No. It's not a film Sean Connery enjoyed. Sean Connery doesn't enjoy a lot of things. Uh, but this was the film so bad it made him quit acting. He acted? Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Taking money for acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. And he did Entrapment. Fuck. <laughs> That should give you an idea of how bad that film is. Red October was on the other night. I turned on just long enough to demonstrate to Zoe Sean Connery's flawless Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you know what? It, it, he is always picked to play the wrong... In Highlander... Oh, <laughs> right, don't, Highlander... Don't. A film about a Scottish warrior who, is, who becomes immortal... Or is immortal, sorry... Sean Connery's in it, and he doesn't play a Scotsman. No. The Scotsman is played by a French actor. And the Scotsman plays, is he an Egyptian? Uh, he, well, yeah, he's, he's uh, Juan Villalobos. Juan Villalobos de Ramirez. Who is Egyptian, but he spent most of his time in Japan. <laughs> and has come to Scotland via Spain. And he is indeed Egyptian. So naturally, as a master of dialect and <laughs> accent, Sean Connery expresses this subtlety and complexity <laughs> by sounding like Sean Connery throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I'd forgotten that Christopher Lambert is is, is Connor McLeod. Uh, and, you know, Sean Connery as an Egyptian. That. That boy, that, it works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> An Egyptian called Juan Ramirez. <laughs> I, I, can, I can see that, you know. But this isn't a movie episode. That's true. No. This isn't. Man, we could do an episode on the Highlander series. We really could. Both films in the trilogy. Add yes. that to the list. Or should, we just do, or should we just do it on the first film in the trilogy? Because after all, there, there can, can be, be only one. one. 
<laughs> oh, I hate anyway. you guys. <laughs> I know, I know. I saw an opportunity and I went for it and decapitated it. In this case, you should absolutely hate us. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's allowed. But speaking of immortals with some really hokey acting and accents that don't tend to really go anywhere. That's a good segue. That is a... Oh, <laughs> oh isn't it just, though? <laughs> and we've also gone via Dracula as well. Oh, you know what? I think we've done pretty well with this segue. Simon, would you like to explain what this brand new show of ours is? Yes, welcome to the first Roll With It episode of World 1 Stage 1, in which we talk about tabletop and role-playing games. Specifically in this episode, role-playing games as a general broad overview because it's one of those niche topics that you might need an intro to. Yeah. And also there is a tradition whenever you get a bunch of role-players together that they just share anecdotes about role-playing games. Because when it they went tend right. To... And when it went oh so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yes, today will will serve as basically a, a, a an introduction, a taster, role playing games one hundred and one, and then over the course of this show, we will be delving into various individual games and systems, sharing a few of our stories of experiences with those, and just giving you guys a, a rundown of what we think is makes a really good role playing game, what we think works as a really good system, and hopefully, people that are listening to this, if if you're not familiar with role playing games, it'll give you an opportunity to go and start and, and take a look into it, which we definitely all suggest you do. Uh, and if you are familiar with them, it might open your eyes to some new systems that you hadn't thought of. It might open our eyes to new systems as well, if you, you do know of any that we've not covered, and you write in and say, talk about this one. Yeah, because I will quite happily run two or three sessions of it and then do an episode on it. I might as well, yeah. Yeah. I'll play inside games. I'm sorry, I just, <laughs> I, just, I just agreed into my nearly empty beer bottle and it came out as a kind of whoop noise. That was fairly nice. awesome. Okay, it is now so, an empty beer bottle. I am ready to start. <laughs> so, Simon, Jack, what are tabletop RPGs? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hold still, I'm going to get myself more comfortable, and I will school you. Okay, I await being schooled. Uh, I was hoping you were going to start talking whilst I was doing this so that I wouldn't have to school you, because I don't know no, shit. No, you, you, you promised us to... The, a schooling. I, I'm well, I know, I know, I know the origins of various individual role-playing games, but as a general rule of thumb, tabletop role-playing games. I know, like war games and stuff, because that's more my wheelhouse. Um, but are role-playing games in general? Did anyone figure this one out? Figure what out? What What is a role-playing game? Well, oh, sorry, I thought we were doing like the history of role-playing games. I don't oh. know why I went onto that. No, sorry. Um, well, what is a role-playing game? The clues. I mean. I, I could be an asshole and just say the clues in the name, fuckwit. Um, it that would, is... That would be unnecessarily harsh. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Wow. Um, <laughs> sorry. That, that's an amazing way to introduce someone to, to what the system is. <laughs> clues in the name, fuckwit. I would be the best teacher ever. This is probably why I'm now like working in a reception and not actually teaching. <laughs> oh, man. You're right. teaching and it's like, smooth move, dick nut. So, basically, imagine, I think the best way I've ever had it described to me was, it, it, it's, it's make pretend with rules. 
And that makes it some, some, sound somewhat joyless when you think about it. Like, you know, when you add rules to something that's fun, but it's like, no, 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 no. You structure it out and you, and you give it like a system. You give it a, a way to play so that everyone's on an even footing. And suddenly what you get is this fantastic way to tell stories with yourselves you, as the characters. If you introduce an element of chance, which almost all RPG systems do, oh, yeah. then you, of course, have the wonderful thing of not only is everyone involved improvising and telling the story on the fly, but you have fate and random, uh, and a random chance. So the unpredictable happens. Is a good way to put it, so that, again, everyone gets put on an even playing field, and with the addition of rules, you don't get that whole, you know, like, make-believe game of, ah, I got you, no, I'm wearing super-duper uh, invincible armor. Although well, I've, my, my sword is actually a laser sword designed to cut through super-duper invincible armor. <laughs> exactly. However, these are all things that potentially could come up in various game rules. I'm looking at yeah. you, Feng Shui. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, speaking of which, just a brief aside, um, they're kickstarting a Feng Shui 2. Yes, oh, I keep Christ. seeing this turning up. I'm so look. I want it. More on Feng Shui later. Yeah, there uh, will so be. That's the basic concept of an RPG, and the history is pretty simple. I mean, it can be deeply complex if you want to go back into the history of improvisation as a form of entertainment. Uh, then that goes back a, a very long way in history. You know, to the sort of 16th century or some such. Yeah. And before RPGs, there were tabletop war games. They actually came first. It's been, there's, they've been going for quite a long time now, since, you know, the days of Prussia and whatnot. Absolutely. Uh, but the first, what we'd consider a role-playing game, really, um, would be D&D. Yes! Because that's where I thought it was. And I was like, yeah. oh, I can't really <laughs> find anything earlier. I know there were probably like 10 or 10,000 earlier games. I just can't find a reference to them. I think um, people were playing games beforehand. Um, I mean, even Gygax himself had put together sort of simple rules and sort of fanzines before then. But well, in terms kind of, of something you can buy, a, a product, D&D. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's sort of how D&D &D got started, wasn't it? It was a, like a, a character building thing for, is it Chainmail? Yes. Yeah, the, the, which is a, one of those war games. So I, I think brief, brief touching on war games there because it will probably get, bring up in probably this same series. Uh, again, war games, it does what it says on the tin. Uh, you have one person controls an army, another person controls another army, and your armies are made of tiny little little miniature people, but not, but not real people, obviously. That would, be, that would be weird and barbaric. Figures uh, that represent people. Yes, little little figurines. And you, using a series of rules, you find out who would win in a fight. There you go. That's a brief introduction to war games there. Yeah, uh -huh. it's like if you've seen the old films of World War II where they use the big maps and the sticks and are pushing units around. It's like that, but again, with rules. But again, every now and again, someone rolls a dice and then just goes, Yeah, armor save, bitch! If you've uh ever played Risk, it's like that, but more complicated. Yeah. Risk with dragons occasionally. Depending on the setting. Like, I yes. don't think... You would want to introduce them into Chainmail. That would be quite cool, even though it's supposed to be a serious medieval game. Yeah. You, Flames of War... Actually, no. Add dragons. Do add Dra dragons. Oh, sorry. Don't add dragons to Flames of War? I mean, yeah, I, I, I suddenly thought about, about that. Did you suddenly remember Sucker Punch? Yeah, no, because I've not seen it. Oh, but, really? Um, 
Uh, but yeah, I'm suddenly remembering that you can add dragons to anything and make it cooler. So do yeah, add dragons to everything. Because I certainly just remembered Sucker Punch and the idea of uh, Lancaster bombers flying around. No, sorry, it was some World War Two plane flying around, being attacked by dragons attacking a giant castle whilst Gunk and Nancy uh, search and destroy is playing. Seek and destroy something and destroy. Mm. So yeah, you, that's why I thought that one is springs to mind. I didn't realize you hadn't seen it. No. Okay. Might that have solved um, yeah. it? It's not hurt. Any. Yeah. I, I mean, it's on my list of things to watch. It's just Fair every enough. so often I will hear uh, some terrible criticism of it that makes it slip down below other things. It is a really, really good music video. Yeah, that's, yes, see, that's the that, kind of thing I keep hearing. It yeah. <laughs> Certainly a good music video. Yeah. But yes, uh, Dungeons & Dragons was a game... Past the Bechtel test, yes. Uh, a game put together in the mid-1970s, uh by Dave Armisen and Gary Gygax. And they were just putting together something that they thought they might sell as many as 50,000 copies of. You know, it's... And that, that was if they did really well. Yeah. Gygax. So that's still going. Yeah, um, I've got... I am actually... Hang on a minute. I was going to pull out my Monster Manual 5th Edition out from under my legs. I wasn't the one was making me so uncomfortable. There we go. And yeah, it, it did sort of grow out of this idea of adding character to um, miniatures games. And D&D was originally, and still is in some sort of uh, incarnations, a miniatures game. You have a little yeah. character and you move them around a map. And there are rules about the spacing on the map and ranges of different weapons that make it play very similar to a, a, a small sort of individual man-to-man -man version of a war game. A skirmish game. Yes, but with uh, the added mechanic that really sort of gets it into what sort of defines a role-play game now, your character's own abilities are defined. You have things you're good at, things you're not so good at, uh, different equipment, different enchantments, and all these things that personalize your character. And quite key for an RPG development. Your character changes over time. The longer you play them, the more you invest in them the better they get at the things you want them to be good at. However, sometimes they just it, it's, it's good starting off with a, a good, clear idea. Don't try and pick pockets if you're the barbarian. Don't try and punch <laughs> someone out if you're the wizard. And don't try and, I don't know, like take a gunshot wound to the face if you are the rogue. You see, but, you say don't try and punch someone out if you're the And this is what I have to put out. But, again, that element of randomness and fun comes into it because... Absolutely. Yeah. For example, I have a wizard character um, who I'm playing in an occasional ongoing dungeon crawly kind of game who is cross-classed with Barbarian. Uh, <laughs> because at the end of a, a game, we were fighting against a, um, a minor lich. And whilst everyone else distracted it, my, my wizard, who didn't have great offensive spells, um, but did have a club he'd accidentally enchanted... Um, and it was accidentally um, a hide from undead spell which made him invisible to the lich a bear strength spell which made him hugely potent and powerful and strong um, and, and various other sort of self power up kind of magic and he snuck up behind the lich and clubbed him over the head with an enchanted club and killed the guy Yay! at which point 
I gained my experience points because this is how you develop your character and leveled. And the GM insisted that I take my next level in Barbarian because of the way in which I had got the experience points. <laughs> I was okay with this. Yeah, that seems to... Okay. <laughs> what? I'm thirsty. Okay, sorry. These things do tend to happen. It's these wonderful stories of things that shouldn't happen, but do. And you can't help but brag about them to your equally nerdy, nerdy friends. <laughs> and this is where the stereotype of the geeks in the lunchroom talking about their D&D campaign comes from. Because it's true, we do that. It's true, we do. And, and we will never, ever stop. No. Ever. So yeah, it, it started off as this sort of hobby game called D&D that a lot of people got deeply into. And of course, people decided to imitate it or, or just do their own version in their favoured setting. For example, I'm not actually a huge D&D fan because high fantasy swords and sorcery isn't my genre. Yeah. We covered this uh, when talking about various fantasy games. I like sci-fi. And there are sci-fi games. Some people like um, Eldritch Horror and Cthulhu-style mystery. Sure Yay! enough, there's a Cthulhu game. Oh, there and is. There are many Cthulhu games. So there are games based... Really, if you pick a genre, then there's probably an RPG rule set to go with it. And if there isn't, there are also GURPS and D20 generic systems that you can use to play anything. Just do it whatever God, you want. Or, be or Besom. Oh. Any any kind of universal system, really. No, yeah, don't use Besom. I'm sorry I mentioned that, but <laughs> for the love of God, don't use Besom. Besom is the, is the cause of so much hurt and pain in this world. Ah, uh, Besom. The, the game where you can quite legitimately build your entire body as your item of power and get a ridiculous amount of uh, experience points that you shouldn't have. Yes, Simon, I don't think we'll be doing an episode on Besom, so it's worth pointing out. Simon created a character who was essentially a brain in a jar who owned a piece of equipment that was a robot body. So, for all intents and purposes, was a robot character, but from the way the points all worked out, was so much more powerful than everyone else. The one downside was the brain could be removed. Much like the brain could be removed in anyone, really. <laughs> <laughs> However, I did kind of get my own back in that episode by having it start off with you have been removed from your body. Everyone else has to try and rescue you. I don't know. I nice. thought that was a brilliant setup. Yeah. I, I just basically wanted to make Major Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell. And Besom is an anime-driven system, and it yeah. gave me that opportunity. It, it stands for Big Eyes, Small Mouth. It is the anime role-playing game. Uh, I was going to say, other than GURPS, I was trying to think of... It's probably a good idea to really like leave... Uh, Games that are that are officially known by by uh, acronyms alone, because the first two I thought of were Besom and Fatal. <laughs> what about Hole? Fatal. Hole? Oh, um, human occupied landfill. Yes, which is the the one about like living in the post apocalyptic, um, well, landfill, isn't it? like the the like searching through stuff, looking for for trash and 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 gear. Yep. Yeah, I've never played that one. I'm going to assume it's better than Besman Fatal. It's not. Oh, okay. It's, it's better than Fatal. Yes, everything's better than Fatal. I pulled yep. the zip up on my jeans once and trapped my nuts in my zip. <laughs> that was better than Fatal. You don't play Fatal. You play character creation with Fatal. 
you do, and then you never speak of it again. It's like yeah. that time when you do that thing with your friend, and you're like, yeah, we, we can't really talk about this ever Let's again. Let's never speak of this. It's like Vegas. Fatal is the Vegas of role-playing games. <laughs> it's fine if you want to go do it, just just you, you don't talk about it afterwards. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. What happens yeah, in Fatal stays in Fatal unless you fail... Do. Unless you fail your anal circumference roll, and then it goes everywhere. <laughs> so yes, RPGs picked up a pace a little bit in the eighties. Um, with, as we've covered, you know, games coming out to cover all sorts of genres. That was when Call of Cthulhu came out as a game. Traveler turned up, which is a huge space opera um, scale game where you travel the stars across many inhabited worlds. It was one of my early games that I really enjoyed. There was a Star Trek RPG because, of course, there was. Well, um, what was the what's the official Star Trek RPG? Because I've got the GURPS one, which is weird because it's not officially allowed to reference the name Star Trek. There's a few um, over the years. This one was Enterprise, the role play game of Star Trek. Okay, uh, and also in the eighties, Warhammer Fantasy role play emerged. Woofrup! A crossover to another of our favorite hobbies. <laughs> yes. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay is amazing because it's one of the few RPGs I can think of where if you want to start off playing the game of great adventures of troll slayers and, and dragons and evil unbeknown uh, arcane deities from beyond space and time and you want to play a rat catcher, you go on then, son. Your starting equipment will be a small yappy dog. There's rules for that. <laughs> Uh, Champions also turned up in the 80s. That was a uh, superhero game. And it brought us our first generic systems. The basic role-playing system and GURPS, the generic universal role-playing system. Where you can take anything you want, anything you want, and just bolt it on. And you've got yourself a game. It was also when uh, the first sort of computer game RPGs started turning up, although they were more like Rogue at that point. They weren't crap. so so much story-driven. The first crappages. Indeed. And also, when role-play gaming as a hobby started to draw criticism from religious <gasps> groups. Are we going to talk about Jack Chick? Yeah, go on, let's talk about Jack Chick. Yay! Is anyone here not familiar with Jack Chick? Hey. You're not familiar with Jack Chick? Okay. I'm going to say he was. I don't know if his website's still going. Uh, he was a a, a, a fundamentalist Christian um, tract writer or, or I magazine. I have to interrupt you there writer. to say is. Is. Oh, fuck. Okay. okay. Or, or if people are listening to this in a couple of years' time, I don't want to catch myself out here, was an incredibly in-depth troll who was really <laughs> dedicated to his craft and worked at it for decades. Wow. Um, basically, he writes comics on every single subject you can think of. Okay. Like, the think of tracts. Yep, think of think of something good. Think of anything good. He will write a tract about why God hates it. Okay, and it usually the, will get it wrong. It is the time of year <laughs> when he's uh, pushing the Halloween tracts at the moment. Oh, of uh, course. But he has written the chick tracts on Harry Potter, of course, because that's evil. Yep. Um, evil yeah um what, what this bewitched that that uh, came in for the treatment wait, wait. because witchcraft 
Wait, wait, the TV series, the movie with Will Ferrell or the band from Ireland? I'm pretty sure he hates all three. Good. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, but certainly one of his more famous ones is Dungeons and Dragons. It is amazing. It is a joy to read. It's, it's wonderful. To, to give you a sum up of it, I mean... Fair enough, he gets the rules of D&D wrong. That's fair enough. There are a lot of weird, crazy rules in D&D. We can't expect everyone to understand them all. But basically, girl goes with her friends to go play D&D. I think they're all girls, aren't they? I think so, yeah. Which is quite progressive of Jack Chick, actually, thinking about it. Especially for, what, 1902 or whenever he wrote it. Um, but basically, yeah, she goes to a D&D game and starts playing D&D with her friends... And then one of the girls, like, her character dies, so she is kicked out of the group forever. Oh, no, there are a couple of guys. Oh, okay, fair enough. I have found uh, the Dark Dungeons chick tract. Yes. Uh, and then it turns out that now that she's become a, what, a fifth or sixth level wizard character, she gets to learn spells for real, in real life. Because D&D is a portal to, to, to witchcraft and evil. And I'm like, motherfucker, I've, be I've played like a 12th level wizard and I didn't learn shit. So where is this coming from? And then she, then she gets really far into it, like casting all her spells and everything. And then she finds out that the girl whose rogue got killed because she fluffed her like spot roll and got crushed by a boulder has killed herself because she couldn't live in a, like she couldn't live with herself for letting her character down. In fact, her suicide note reads, it's my fault Blackleaf died. I can't face life alone. Marcy. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And the rest is history. I actually can't remember how it ends. I think she just gives it up and finds Jesus. That's usually she how does. it ends. That's, that's <laughs> normally... Well, she, of course, meets a handsome man who introduces her to Lord Jesus Christ, her saviour. Yeah. Um, and then goes to a sermon and is healed, uh, laying on of hands. Yeah, yeah. Repents and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's and, and says the words, you guide me through life. I want you to be in charge of everything, not that lousy D&D &D manual. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I will not listen to the words of a crazy book that makes no sense anymore. Instead, I'm going to put my faith in the words of a crazy book that <laughs> words don't make any sense anymore. <laughs> oh, man. That's... that's I remember it well. Good times. <laughs> but into the 90s, this is where some of my favorite uh, games get written. Uh, it's, it's almost at the point where RPGs had matured. You know, Everyone had got their sort of first iterations out. A few generations of games were coming in. And the culture started satirizing itself a little bit. Yeah, uh, and and you start to get things like paranoia. Oh yeah, and uh, over the edge. The name rings a bell, but I don't think I remember over the edge. Over the edge, I'm sure you played it. We played it. In yeah, the club. CJ ran it. It's the game where you turn up at an island and the airport yes. is upside down and the but hotel is being upstairs. delivered lobsters. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, and it's just it's a game of pure surrealism. You are thrown in... It's, it's an interesting RPG because RPGs typically will come with books that tell you how to play. Um, and some will tell you what the story is because they have a specific setting. Over the Edge is a game that is... It stops being fun to play once you read the book, but it's very fun to run. 
So if you've read the book, you can run it for other players, which that's something we should probably specify in most gaming systems. Not all, but definitely the vast majority. One person runs the game for the others. They are describing the situation, laying out the options, and for the purposes of combat, they will portray the bad guys. That's the storyteller, the dungeon master, the game master. The narrator. Different titles. Yeah. Or Um, uh, what was it called in Fatal? I think it's like... I think it's like the slaughter, the gore master or something like the that. The gore master. Oh, I like that. Something That's like the one that. thing Fatal's done well. Yeah. Um, so Over the Edge is a game that is full of mystery and weirdness. So if you read the book and know the secrets, it's less fun to explore. But it's quite fun to run it for someone else because you get to watch their looks of confusion as they try and figure it all out. Um, it's also the era of more complex games and settings like Ars Magica. Yep. Came along in the 90s, and a personal favourite, The World of Darkness. Uh, we do. So I think this is probably going to be the one we do talk the most about is World of Darkness. It is, it is our huge... It, it, it's, it's our love. It is our, it is our role-playing game, honey. And in our circle of friends, it's definitely the one we've played most and put the yeah. most time into. And this is why we led off with Dracula and Immortals and Immortals with shoddy accents. Oh, hang on, hang on. Oh, I found out, I found out in Fatal, right? It used to be, back when Fatal stood for Fantasy Adventure, was it? Uh, Fantasy Adventure to Adult Lechery. Uh, It used to be called the Mame Master. Ah. Like Game Master, but maiming people. It's now called the Idile. Okay. Which, Which is the Latin term for the Master of the Colosseum Games, or games master ah, i see there you go now you know it now look it also fatal now also no longer stands for fantasy adventure to adult lettery but from another time another land we all know what you really are we, yeah yeah uh cyberpunk 2027 is oh. game. another of my favorites shadow so, run which is very very similar but no it's not no Cyberpunk is a straight cyberpunk universe um, and is that sort of guns and chrome noir cyberpunk style. It's a William Gibson book. Whereas uh, Shadowrun Shadowrun is like sort of urban fantasy sci-fi. Exactly. It takes a futuristic world like a cyberpunk world, but has magic come back into it and orcs and elves and dwarves are reborn into a technology. And most importantly, dragons. And most importantly, dragons. Yeah. Uh, it's also the era where computer games of RPGs really kicked off with uh, the Elder Scrolls uh, franchise kicking off and, well, just about every other RPG we've talked about on this show. Yep, pretty much. I mean, you got the, the Bioware games kicking off from there. Yep. Uh, Baldur's Gate games. Yeah, well, they got like, a, what's it called, the Vampire the Masquerade? Was it, uh, the first one was, not Bloodlines, uh, Redemption. Oh, Redemption, yep. Yep. There were some there were some really, really choice games out there. And now we're in an era where um just like with music, television, most media, there's a thriving indie scene in RPGs and people are putting out small games, uh digital distribution, that are playing around with ideas and concepts that uh the big books just can't handle. Like one 
oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but one that really interests me and I've never managed to get a game going is there is a full-on post-scarcity transhuman system where basically anything you want you can get trivially. Yeah. So it becomes a, a very high-level game, but everyone is high-level, characters and antagonists. Huh. So it becomes about imagination in solving problems rather than yeah, challenges. That sounds very difficult to run and play in. But definitely interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's also where you get a lot of weird-ass games turning up. So Rowan brought back three um, indie RPGs from when she went to Nine Worlds. Uh, and I've got, I've got one that's like a world-building game. I've got one that's, uh, a, again, a post-human, um, sort of transhuman uh, game. And one called Polaris, which I'm sure... Ooh, you I love Polaris. Before, where you sort of, you, you, your, your actions are all done by you telling a story. Yes, and, and there's no, no one runs that game. Yeah. You run your part of it in collaboration with the person to your left and the person to your right against the person opposite you. Is that the one? Yeah, oh. that's the one. And basically, yeah, you, you, you can take actions against people. So if they do an action, you can, once per session, I think is cancel it by, by putting it at the end of their sentence. But unfortunately, it would never come to pass. And, and all that sort of stuff. So you're basically all telling... By the end of it, you have like a really weird script um, from everyone's actions. Just a really weird story written down. And it's all from like a sort of pre-civilization uh, empire at the North Pole. And it's, it's really weird, but really, really, really interesting and mind-bendingly weird. Just weird. And I love it. I love that. I really want to run a game of it sometime, but I would need some people that don't mind having their heads fucked. <laughs> And it's, it's kind of, as much as I love World of Darkness, and I do, and as much as I love Cyberpunk, Shadowrun, a lot of the 90s games that really, really were my era, it's like having your Doctor Who or, you know, your um, Bond film. Yeah. These were my RPGs. I'm loving a lot of the indie stuff that's coming out now. Um, actually, speaking of Rowan, she bought me, I cannot remember the name of it, but the game where you play investigators who go into people's nightmares um oh um uh oh uh, not a state um no no a state's also good but <laughs> yeah i can't it's like, like inception no because yeah it is very much it's and very like it. inception but before inception it's the one with the spider-man is in it the one yeah well spoilers but yes yeah um, well, they're on the cover dude <laughs> i know but one of the things i love about that game is it, it completely does away with the concept of physical damage so Almost every game you have has a um, health meter. But because you're literally in a dream, yeah. it doesn't matter. What matters is how calm you are. So a combat monster needs to be meditative, not tough. Yeah, and like the more crazy stuff you do, um, uh, like you're, it starts to mess up the world that you are in until it starts raining fish and stuff. Yes, it's a dream, so you can bend the rules. But the more you bend the rules, the less the rules apply where you are. So you start offering the, the GM opportunities to mess with you back. It's, oh, I love that system. I've got for the life of me what it was called and, uh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go mad trying to remember what it was called now. <laughs> and it's uh, the default landscape. Lacuna. You, Lacuna. That's it. Yes. Yep. Uh, once you get past whatever surface fantasy 
people have in their um, mental scape, then you get into what seems to be the the universal dream state that all people share, which is this really weird, bleak, cold war setting with these mysterious figures guarding the way who, as Jack pointed out, turn out to be Spider-Men. Yeah. But like I said, they are on the cover. They are on the cover of the book, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really fun idea. And we're, we're at that point where you can... Like I said, it's the same with TV now. It's the same with music now. People can just roll with these ideas. And because there's, it's open to that culture, people are getting more interesting with the books they publish as well. Like, I love Mouse Guard. Uh, I'm not sure that's a book that would have got published a decade ago. Yeah? Yeah, Luke Crane, who came up with The Burning Wheel, which is, it's a fantasy setting, but is really deep on social combat as well yeah. as actual combat. So it sort of takes the same system, doesn't it, but for It does. Yeah. He he loves the Mouse Guard comics. So he did one for Mouse Guard where you play mice. And social combat I think is really interesting because one of the things in RPGs is the meta is the fact that you are not your character. Therefore, you may have different knowledge of the world and different intentions to the ones your character expresses or the things your character knows. A good example of this being a character in D&D who has a subpar intelligence score being played by someone who is quite smart. A great, a great example, yes. Yeah. Or indeed someone in a um, vampire campaign who is a brand, lean, a brand new embraced kindred yeah. uh, who is being played by someone who has been playing vampire for years. This is a problem we've had to deal with repeatedly. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, you, you know how these things work and how this power structure works and how, how vampire weaknesses work. So but your character like doesn't. If you're running a game and my character, who isn't supposed to know the universe at all, meets someone who introduces themselves as Sasha Vykos, yeah. I have to bear in mind my character's reaction to that name would be very different to my own. Yeah, your character would be, well, in that time, your character was completely emotionally dead. That's so, true. So but my character had no idea his... who it was. Yeah. I, on the other hand, was going, oh, God, it's one of history's greatest monsters. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to avoid the meta in Burning Wheel, because sometimes you have to figure you might be, as a group, making decisions that are probably beneficial to the group with characters who have perfectly good in-character reasons to... Um, refuse to go along with the plan agreeing for the sake of the group uh, if you go against your intent and your intents are documented in Burning Wheel yeah, then it has significant negative effects on your character, you don't want to do it yeah. and to prevent you from doing it you will enter into social combat so characters will start to argue basically in character what they should do so the group consensus isn't the players agreeing what's best for the party, it's the characters, which leads to really interesting roles for characters who are charismatic or um, domineering, which can be a problem to do with a lot of systems. <laughs> yeah, try to keep your players in line. So this, is probably, this, is probably Tim, this is probably Tim Malkavians, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I love Malkavians. <laughs> yeah, again, when, when we get into World of Darkness, we will really get into World of Darkness, and it's going to be amazing. I, I think we have to accept there's not enough time for World of Darkness to 
be gone into in this episode. We need yeah. a shot on it. Just, I mean, yeah. just, just know that that episode is coming and it is going to be fucking incredible with the, I, with the number of stories we have. I want to see if I can actually dig out audio of some of Rob's better moments because I've it's, got them recorded it's, somewhere. It, it's all on YouTube. I know. Yeah. Well, not all of it on YouTube, but the final some push. The final push is all on YouTube from uh, We'll Use You as Bait uh, <laughs> to Quiet You Loons. Uh, it, it's all there. The, the short version of this is it can be really, really fun to have actors in your party. Uh, your party yeah. being your group of players. Because they can really put some passion into their stirring speeches. When they play a character, they can play them to the fucking hilt. And, and playing yeah. a character, I think, let's talk about the appeal of role-playing games. Because playing a character, there it is. Yeah. Are we going to just get into the really sad thing now? Because it gives us a chance to escape our mundane lives. <laughs> Which, yes... Let's We've be honest. been a podcast about video games for years. If that's not escapism, I don't know what it is. What is? Well, less so now, I suppose. With, well, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of a lot of simulation games that are. I'm trying to remember. There was one of the, that list of things that they were talking about, where like Simpsons predicted a bunch of shit, and one of it was like yard work simulator. <laughs> and it's a bunch of people laughing yeah. at yard work simulator, <laughs> going, ha, 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 and then just showing a picture of someone playing Animal Crossing. Like, oh shit. <laughs> um, yeah, one of my favorite ones from that though was that uh, it was them pointing out that uh, what's it called? After hosting the Olympics, Russia would go crazy and become the USSR again. Yeah. It was the Winter Olympics. Doesn't it was count. the Winter Olympics. It was a little bit off, but uh, <laughs> actually, on that topic, it's a little bit of uh, dropping away for a moment. But I don't know if I mentioned this, but about um, what Rowan noticed when rewatching an old episode of Babylon Five, as opposed to a new episode of Babylon Five. Um, was that, I don't know if I've ever spoken to you about this, but my, one of my favourite tropes in, and, and, and tactics used in writing uh, episodes of sci-fi... Is it the list that has historical figures but ends with a fictional figure? It, it, yeah, two historical figures, and one historical from the point of view of the character, but futuristic from the point of view of the, the viewer. So, like, they'll Isaac say... Newton, oh, Albert Einstein, Zephram Cochrane. Exactly, or like you know, it's like World War One starting in nineteen fourteen, World War Two starting in nineteen thirty nine, or World War Three starting in twenty seventy seven. That kind of thing. Yeah, where we can look forward and go, ah, oh, we can draw a parallel, so we know what you're talking about, lol. And one of them is they say uh, they gave too much power to the to the wrong kind of person, like the was it like uh, the Germans in nineteen uh, in nineteen thirty. Or the Russians in in uh, 1940, uh, 1941, and again in 2013. Hmm. And me and Roman just stopped and looked at each other and went, holy shit. Well, that's kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one but, of those tropes. If you write enough of those lists, some of them exactly. will hit fairly close and, to the and mark. B- between next-gen toz and and babylon 5 there are about three billion of those lists doing the rounds and i love all of them that is one of my all-time favorite things in sci-fi and now we've come out of that little little detour and back into escapism and 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 playing characters i mean i think when i first started playing role-playing games when i was playing D D back at the uh 
the science room Dungeons and Dragons club at school. Oh yeah, man, I was a fucking cool kid. I was drowning in clunge, <laughs> I must tell you that now. Um, <laughs> I often played the big... I, I, what, we would, what we would now in our group call the Vlad. I played yes. the big, dumb, low intelligence, high strength, smash everything with a big fucking axe character. Oh, Vlad. And, and that's sort of like, that's what I really enjoyed at the time. And over time, I slowly started petering away from that into playing sneaky, debased, perverted monsters. So basically, I used to be an escapist and I'm now just playing myself. <laughs> but myself as a vampire or myself as a werewolf or myself as a wizard. Um, but occasionally you'll get those crossovers. For example, World's Darkness, we go to Vampire. Is Squeak a, a, a sniveling, stealthy uh, deviant? Or is Squeak a... a uh, what's, the, what's, what's the best way to put it? Uh, Combat monster? I was going to say, intellectually deprived, smash everything tank. Which one is he? quite either. Yeah, exactly. But he did both quite well. Well, or, he, well he attempted stealth often. Yes. I'm invisible. <laughs> of course, Squeak. Had, had the best use of uh, hiding in plain sight. Squeak was an Osferatu. Squeak looked like a horrifying drowned corpse. So in order to, spe- to sneak into a hospital, just walked up to the first orderly he saw and went, I'm not very well. And was immediately rushed into a and uh, It worked, yes. Yeah. And then he died. Well... He was already dead, but yeah, then exactly. he died and was taken to the morgue. Yeah. I just went, oh, no, no! And then just lay down. thing is, it was very easy to get into the morgue. It was a lot harder to get out. Yeah, we stole an ambulance. That is another trope of our role-playing games. <laughs> ambulance stealing comes up a lot. Ambulance stealing especially, but I would say emergency vehicle theft is the trope. There was the police car. Yep. Wait, was it, it wasn't a police car that we stole and drove into the side of a house in London, was it? I think it might have been. Yeah, I'm a motorist. You know um, what? This is no, no player in a game I've run yet has stolen a fire engine. Give it a moment. <laughs> I'm sure it will come up. Yeah. Yep. So escapism but also playing a character that you enjoy and looking forward to sort of getting into that character's head and seeing where their story goes it's like you know you read your books and you go oh man i really like this character i really want to see what happens and then george rr R. martin kills them <laughs> and you may not even be reading the game of thrones series you, you know you may not be reading the song of ice and fire books but george rr R. martin will kill your favorite character it does not matter you know. <laughs> Um, but it's a case where your actions depend on whether your character's going to get killed, or occasionally the actions of your close friend will get your character killed, but, you know, oh. we will get into that <laughs> <laughs> at great length. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just like you get to see the unraveling tale of your character, and when you get into really big games, I mean, I know someone back at school who played a D&D campaign for, like, ten years, I think it was. You know, not obviously yep. not like I'm, every night or once a week, but every I'm now and again. one of those people. My very first campaign of anything I played was a World of Darkness game that ran for four years. Um, yeah. And I, I famously played 
the same character in a Star Trek play-by-email RPG, which is it's similar to a tabletop game, except it's sort of pieced together from email after email of character interactions and such. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, I think it was 12 years. Is that Kaz? That was. Ah, oh, man. All these memories flooding back. But yeah, the character who was promoted in real time because the thing is that RPG, it existed long before I joined it and it still exists today, many years later. Yep. And because it's real time, characters get promoted in real time. It took me 12 years to get to the rank of Commodore. He's did his service, man. Man. So there are so many different ways to play this. Like you can just sort of like sit around the table with some beers and your buddies and play a good old like dungeon bash with someone with the screen up rolling dice behind it and saying, Ah, oh, you've fallen down the pit and taken a lightning blast to the face. You have lost 20 life points, which can be really fun. It can. It, oh, especially I, depending on the level of beer you have, can be very fun. <laughs> I never used to be into the dungeon bash, but I have, I've developed a certain taste for it recently. When you view it as like very different to, say, a, a deep role-playing game, yes, it can be a lot of fun. It's just, like any other board game, really. It comes back to what I said earlier. There is this transitional area, this grey area, between tabletop war game, yeah. which I've always enjoyed, and role-playing game, which I've always enjoyed. There is room for this, this chimera creature that is neither one <laughs> thing nor the other. Yeah, and if you enjoy it, then more power to you. It's really, really fun. Um... But you can have that, or you could have the weird artsy thing where you all stand around in in robes and you play your weird indie game that requires you to like light candles and and speak backwards for your actions and things like that. And I'm, you I'm terrified, sure it, Jack Chick. Yeah, I'm sure it actually exists. <laughs> um, and then you've got all these little bits and pieces on the ins- on the outside, which is where we usually fall. I mean, our de- our role play games used to be down at the pub, but you mostly just sit around a table. With some with some snacks and some drinks with your friends, and you just you play a game together, just as you would. I was going to say nowadays, but okay, just as you would ten, fifteen years ago, sitting around playing the Xbox. Mm. Not so much these days because you're playing the Xbox and your buddies in their house playing their Xbox, and nobody sees each other face to face except through webcam anymore. But as I'm going to go once s- upon a time in the arcade around the machine, and then yes. a little later around your console at home, and as you don't anymore. Yeah, I'm going to go smash a loom. <laughs> uh, I'm saying this just because Mike bought an Xbox One today and it's sitting there on my shelf looking at me. Did he? It, well, it's not actually looking at me because it doesn't have a connect attached to it. Um, but yeah, he, there is now an Xbox One in my house. I have been pondering the PS4 a great deal. I still say go for it. Yeah. I probably will, but now I've yeah. got Alien Isolation to play. No, there you go. It's, spend that some time tied, on that. That ties you over for a short while. If, Every day you play Alien Isolation, you're getting closer to the PS4 going down in price. Exactly. Yes. There you go. And also, I speaking of RPGs, um, I, I have every reason to go and play a lot of Star Wars The Old Republic right now. Because they have just announced their new expansion pack. Bit of a tangent, but why not? Because it's the Shadow of Revan. Oh! oh, oh. Revan. Oh. Revan is back. Uh, 300 oh. years later. He's already turned up in the Old Republic storyline. Yeah, you're saying. But now he's back. He is the big bad for the next five levels. Because this oh. is a, a proper expansion with a level cap ad- advance and everything. Interesting, considering how the, uh, his story ended. 
Indeed. Um, but the thing is, to, to get everyone excited and ready for the next expansion, they've announced that anyone who pre-orders the next expansion pack gets yep. from the moment they pre-order until December 1st, which is the day before it's released, mm-hmm. uh, an XP boost. Now, they've done this before, where they have double XP weekends, and they've even had a double XP week before, which turned into a fortnight, which was awesome. This is, this this is, is what, two months? 12 times months. the XP. Wow. Oh. Yeah, they've said, we want you all to, <laughs> we want all of your characters to be endgame, basically. There is no point p- pissing about with grind anymore. Have 12 times the XP. So I picked up a character who I created to... Uh, to sort of say this will be my bounty hunter character when I get round to playing her and she's been languishing as a level 1 newbie in the character select screen for ages played for about 2 hours last night and got up to level 20 nice it was absurd so um, I'll be playing a fair bit of that in the next couple of months I don't blame you now's a good time to be a subscriber to Star Wars The Old Republic if you've got any interest but moving on (laughs) Irish, why do you play RPGs? Um, just for stories that come out of it, really. It's the Stockholm Syndrome, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we suckered you in, and we made you play games, and now you can't get out. Yeah, I suppose so. They, you know, they. I try to get get away, but they keep hooking me back in. But uh, you know. I like the stories that come out of the games we play. We do make some odd, odd stories. Yeah, yes, but they are, but they can make fascinating retelling for people. <laughs> they can indeed. I am a particular fan of Jenna's first experience in the captain's seat of a Federation starship. <laughs> yeah, I'm fond of that. I'm fond of my first game ever, which was uh, All Flesh of Ethan. That he played. Uh, my, my all flesh must be eaten scenario. Yeah. Uh, which, which I suggested to uh, an associate of mine and is now one of his most requested games that he plays in that way now. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a game by, I think, Pinnacle Entertainment. I think they're the ones that did the, the Deadlands books. I could be wrong. Um, but uh, they. Uh, you are. I am wrong. Is it, am I, was it Atlas? Eden Studios. Eden! Okay, shit. Um, sorry about that. Uh, and basically, it's a game where the zombie apocalypse is happening. But it's your sort of choice of how these zombies work. As, as the creator of the, um, of the game, as the, the game's master, uh, or I think you're the... Well, you're the zombie master in the game. Um, you choose how the zombies work. Do they, do they make people into zombies by biting them, or do people have to die to become zombies? Is there an infection, or does anyone who dies become a zombie? Do zombies eat brains? Do they eat livers? Do they drink blood? Do they need uh, sunlight to survive? Uh, are they especially flammable? All this sort of stuff. You can do they explode when you shoot them? And that is the origin of the fire-breathing, exploding zombie cows. Fucking hate the exploding <laughs> zombie cows. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, oh shit! I should have realised it was eaten because they did Conspiracy X as well, didn't they? Yeah, um, they did, and the Buffyverse game, and Darkness, and all sorts. I keep, yeah, I keep when I think the Buffyverse game, I keep thinking it's uh, Cortex because it's a very similar system mm. that you buy dice. Um, 
But uh, where was I going with this? Oh yes, and basically, I my my idea for a game for that is everyone gets a character sheet, and to the best that they can within the 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 the, the dice pool that you're given. You make yourself as a character. No escapism here. You make yourself. And then the game begins. You are all sitting around in a living room playing a game of all flesh must be eaten when suddenly motherfucking zombies attack. What do you do? It was a fantastic setup for a game. Uh, yeah. A lot of fun. I was very glad that I had my car parked outside. Yes. <laughs> if you if you didn't, then uh, that would have well, been a problem. Probably would have been a very short game. Yeah, true. Uh, we could have stolen the car, I suppose. That's true. You did end up stealing a plane. Yes. And an ambulance. Did we steal an ambulance in that one as yes. well? Yes. Of course we, went, we did, didn't we? We went. We went to Cheltenham A and E and took an ambulance. Yes, I remember now. And you got <laughs> shot in the face. And I got shot in the face. Survived. Just like in real life. <laughs> Yeah, people people were getting shot by their fiancés at the time. Uh, is another trope of our games. Point blank range. Yep. How did you fudge that up? I don't know. That gun kicked <laughs> like a mule. She had it against the feet, against the zombie's head. It was she pretty still... close. It was closer than two bears in a phone box, but she still managed to mess it up. But you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. That is now my new favorite. Uh, wait, as close as so that's a simile so one of my new favorite similes as used by stone cold steve austin is that shit was as close as two bears in a phone box nice. pretty close yeah for me rpgs have always been a social thing oh god I, yeah absolutely i love what comes out of them i love the storytelling i love coming up with crazy characters and seeing what happens to them but i think every single one of my friends i've met through not necessarily directly but as a direct result of playing rpgs with people hang on hang on pretty much that's pretty much how i became friends with everyone up this end and it's how i've met most of the people i know in london as well i and came down here immediately i was like i'm in a new city don't know anyone here right what do i do and i just went on Facebook groups, on Meetup, and was like, who plays RPGs in this city? Cool. And turned up and started chatting. And you get to see people's most outlandish and ridiculous behavior in a safe context, and you very quickly <laughs> become friends. Because it's like going through extraordinary circumstances with people tends to bond you. So when you've, you know, fought monsters, died, been reborn, you know, jetted off in spacecraft and committed heists on distant planets together... That's the kind of experience that's going to bond you as friends. Especially if you dick each other over. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You have to remain strong friends, otherwise, yeah, it gets bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that I've ever dicked anyone over in an RPG or anything like no. that. No. God, no. Never <laughs> would you do a thing like that. Yeah. Betrayal and backstabbing with RPGs. you got to bear in mind as well, like, you know, if it weren't for, if it weren't for RPGs, I would... I wouldn't have met Rowan as well. Huh. So there you go, kids. They're a gateway to happiness. Like drugs, but legal. Yeah. Except fatal. Yeah. Fatal's not legal. Fatal shouldn't be legal. It shouldn't be. No. 
I'm going to keep bringing it up. I do apologize. I, I wish you wouldn't. I can't help it. It's like <laughs> it's 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 like the train wreck. You have to keep bringing it up at every opportunity with references to anal circumference. <laughs> Which is kind of less like a train wreck and more like, well, the only thing it can be described as is like fatal. Yep. I think that's a pretty good overview of the tabletop yeah. RPG. Um, so if you're listening to this and you have played many RPGs in your time, write in and tell us what your favorite ones are. Um, if you haven't, oh my god, write in and ask us what you would suggest. Tell us what you like, what sort of settings you would want to see, or what sort of game you want to play. Do you want like high action adventure, or do you want political backstabbery, or do you want sci-fi, do you want fantasy, do you want modern uh, fantasy? You know, Whatever you want, let us know, and we will be like, hey, y'all should play this. Don't ask me, I'll just say fatal. <laughs> I think actually that's quite a fun thing right now, is if we pick a non-mainstream game, uh, either that we've briefly mentioned or that we haven't mentioned, and say why it's different and what's fun about it, just to give an idea of the sort of scope. Because we know there's lots of sort of uh generic rpgs of go bash monsters or go solve the quest but yeah. i mean one we were talking about earlier feng shui oh my god feng shui feng shui is absolutely incredible it is one of the most fun games you will ever play if you like your sort of late 70s and most of the 80s uh hong kong action flicks play this game it is amazing uh it has a system where actions become less difficult the more crazy descriptive work you put into describing them. So, saying, I want to kick the... Like, some, some triad members kick down the door and pull guns on you in the restaurant. What do you do? Now, one player might say, I kick the front one in the head. But a good player would say, Simon, you, you come up with something. I'm going to flip my table into the air, letting it rotate a couple of times, but land you know, flat parts towards the bad guys whilst I duck, pull both guns out of my jacket, and I'm going to fire under the table before it lands, and then flip backwards behind the table behind me so that I'm not even there when it lands. Perfect. See? Shit like that. <laughs> and funnily enough, it would be easier for me to accomplish what I wanted than the guy who just wanted to kick a dude in the head. Because you put more descriptive work into it. And came up with a more cinematic idea, which is the entire point of Feng Shui. Over-the-top, silly chopsuki action. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking through a list of just best-known RPGs, just going down through the list and looking at, like, you know, what do I remember that was quite fun? Eclipse Phase, if you want to play Doom, the RPG... <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Feng Shui was made by Atlas. Do you know what else Atlas made? Um, what else did Atlas make? Furry Pirates. Oh no. <laughs> and Ars Magica. Ah. And Unknown Armies. Oh, Unknown Armies is fantastic. Is, is Unknown Armies the, uh, like the, the forces of the undead working in McDonald's? That's the one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's some weird ass <laughs> games out there. <laughs> Uh, Chaosium, so you've got Call of Cthulhu. Really, really, really fun game. Don't read... If you find a book, don't read it. Don't read the book that you've just found. You will go crazy and shoot your family. Uh, you fail your sanity check. 
Yep. Which is much worse than failing your anal circumference check, trust me. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. You've got I'm the all really flesh. not sure about that. <laughs> all flesh must be eaten. Uh, the Fantasy Flight games. So oh, yeah, Warhammer yeah, 40,000 games. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh, Mutants, Mutants and Masterminds. And masterminds. Yep. Are we looking at the same list? I don't know. Are we? Oh, Are I don't you going to say Savage Worlds? No, I'm going to say uh, Bezum next. Okay, we're not looking at the same list. Okay. Uh, oh, there's there's one we I think we played once a really long time ago. Dogs in the Vineyard. Oh, I love Dogs in the Vineyard. Dogs in the Vineyard yes. was a very narrative-driven game. It's all about telling the story, um, where you are um, preachers in the old west bringing bringing faith to uh, to the the lawless lands at the end of a gun. Yep. Wow. It is awesome, but it's it's oh, it's so stylish as well. It's amazing. Um, Traveler, paranoia. Uh, Pathfinder for, is another good dungeon. Uh, well, not even a dungeon, but that's a really good fantasy role-playing game, sort of based off of D and D third edition. It's we like didn't D&D. actually touch on paranoia. We didn't explain what it is. Yes, we did, citizen. And if you don't remember <laughs> us talking about paranoia, then clearly you are a dirty communist mutant hippie scum. Well, when did you stop being a mutant? I. D- uh, uh, okay, I gotta go. I gotta go report to friend computer for for recycling. <laughs> Voluntarily reporting to friend computer for recycling is a waste of clone resources. Please report to friend computer for recycling. Oh god, that game! That right. If you are an absolute sadist and you want to <laughs> like make your friends become shriveling wrecks of tears, run a game of pa- uh, of paranoia. It is is so much fun. Paranoia is a game in which you are a troubleshooter um and your job is to do whatever the hell you're told by friend computer you live in an underground complex think sort of logan's run uh, in fact yeah think logan's run it's that era <laughs> of sci-fi that sort of 70s um dystopian future sci-fi and friend computer is there to keep you safe from the mutants and the communists and the mutant communists damn now man. troubleshooters come in different ranks basically you have your 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 ranks are dictated by your color green blue red i are those the is that the order is it green is the lowest rank then blue then red it, it doesn't matter there is an order and so you may interact with anything that is your color or below but nothing higher up than your color so if you are told to go and get your kit bag, for example, and you are a green level troubleshooter, and you walk into your team's room and there is one green bag, two blues and a red, yours is the green one. Don't go touching anything else. But if you're the red and you walk in, you can pick up any of those bags. So pick up the green one, because then the green guy's got nothing to pick up. Whoa. Sorry. I think Evelyn... Just realised how evil that idea is. I know, right? <laughs> that was Navy. That was one of the cats. Oh, right. Okay. I cats are very good at recognising evil. Oh God, yeah. Um, because if you fail to follow an instruction in Paranoia, your clone is recycled, which means you lose a life. Essentially, you start with six. It's not a. It's not a very common thing in RPGs, but having extra lives and whatnot. Hmm. And when it's a, unique when a, paranoia, I think. So, so when a game gives you extra lives, it's like, yeah, you're going to fucking need these. <laughs> and it is a game about... Well, it can be run in different ways, because one of the universal truths of role-playing games is the books that tell you how to play them are guidebooks, not rule books. Yeah. 
So it's all down to the storyteller, all down to the guy running the game and the consensus of the group as a whole about what kind of a game you're going to play. But generally, people who enjoy running paranoia are, as Jack said, sadists who enjoy emotionally torturing their friends. <laughs> and example, yet I've never run it. <laughs> uh, Troy, former host of World 1 Stage 1's first experience with um, paranoia, in which he'd been told he was a troubleshooter, he had to obey orders, he had to do what he was told at risk of uh, uh, death. Uh, woke up. Wait, That's wait, wait! Interestingly, robotic noise. It is, and I'm going to point out my phone is off, so it's not me. Uh, but yes, he 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 awoke and was instructed by friend computer, please report to briefing hey. room. So he was like, "Okay, um, I'm Hi. I'm up, and I'm going to go to the briefing room." It's like troubleshooters are required to be clothed when attending briefings. Please report for recycling. <laughs> That was his first experience yeah. with Paranoia. <laughs> I was like, oh dear. Um, so yeah, it's a fun game um, where you are sent outside of the closed system generally to go and deal with a problem. And there are, uh, canonically in the setting, there are all different areas of the underground base that are themed around different parodies of common game settings or TV tropes or movie tropes. It's, it's a lot of fun and very, very silly. It, it, and also, just just give it a go if you if you really want to have your head completely tweaked with. And there's a very real chance your character will be randomly assigned at the start of the game uh, the role of either mutant or communist, and have to keep that from everyone. And it's really fun when everyone gets the mutant or communist thing and is trying to keep it from everyone, despite the fact they're all in the same boat. Yes, I quite like to... having a party of all communists. Yeah, who would love to work together, but they don't trust each other. Yep, pretty much. Um, I'm just thinking of other games now. Rifts. Have you ah, played Rifts? If you want to play a game that is so broken and overpowered that uh, you'll make no progress. Do you want to play? Can do, do you want to? Do you want to play a half demon, half dinosaur, giant robot with nuclear missiles for feet, drop kicking Tokyo into the moon? See, they say Besom is the anime RPG. Rifts is the anime RPG. R Rifts is just a silly RPG, and it is it is a lot of fun. Um, it depending well for, for certain values of fun. Uh, the Savage Worlds games. Uh, I've got the Solomon Kane one, uh, which is which, which is quite a good little system. It's a lot like the Cortex system in that you buy dice. Um, yeah, Cyberpunk. a lot of popular franchises will have tie-in games. There is, of course, a Doctor Who RPG. There's a Star Trek RPG. Star Wars RPGs out of the ass. Yeah, um, including the old D6 one, and now then D20. But I think Wizards of the Coast have now lost the rights to Fantasy Flight, haven't they? Uh, yes, I believe. Yeah, so. which I'm okay made with because the yeah, Rogue Trader games are amazing. Yeah, but it's slightly different. They've they've made their own custom dice. Oh yes, I heard about that. And you can't buy the well, you, you when you buy the role playing game, you don't get, when you buy the handbook, you don't get the dice. Yeah, you, you yeah, get the dice in the starter a... kit, or you can spend thirty pounds buying a box of the dice. Yeah, kind of a shitty little monetization kind of a deal shit move. there. But I did buy the starter kit, so I never have to buy dice again. Cyberpunk <laughs> <laughs> um, so twenty twenty, as you mentioned earlier, uh, GURPS. Uh, sorry, I'm just gonna. I don't know if it's. Gonna sorry about that. There you go. Sorry Welcome back. Uh, it looks like a a rogue cat tried to get into the house and 
torque went a bit nuts. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So he's like, get out of my house, you bitch. So I've, I've closed the back door. So That's okay. He, he has taken roles in Dwarven Defender. Indeed. Um, uh, have you mentioned Scion? No, we haven't yet. mentioned Scion. I'm, I'm working my way down like an alphabetical ah. list of publishers. Oh, I see. There's a list. Fair well, let's, I, I, no, let's let's jump to Scion because yeah, Scion I love. Yeah, because all we're about next was either West End Games, who have done fucking nothing since the D6 Star Wars RPG with its custom lightsaber rules. <laughs> I and like then, the custom lightsaber rules, though. It was amazing, right? They need to put something like that into the D20 or uh, FFG ones. Uh, but yeah, uh, Scion, fantastic game. By the guys who came up with the World of Darkness. Uh, it is a game where you are a Scion of the Gods. Uh, different pantheons. Um, best best way I've ever come up with to describe it to people is it is a superhero RPG where the origin of your superpowers is you are a demigod. One of your parents is a god. So think Wonder Woman and characters like that. Wonder yeah, Woman really. for... Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of a superhero. Because yeah. the, the powers are deliberately, again, so over the top. I mean, a starting level, like a, a first level ability is you are immune to falling damage. Yeah. Or immune <laughs> to fire. Or immune to fire. And like level, level two of the flight ability, bearing in mind, this goes from one to ten. Level one is immune to falling damage. Level two in sky ability is flight. Just to, you can levitate, you can fly. Level three is you can shoot lightning bolts out of your face. What the fuck? It is a game designed to be epic level, high-end, ridiculous, over-the-top game. So probably not one for your first ever RPG. No. You can build a starting level character. A starting level character, mind you. This isn't, like, tooled up to the nines over, over like, several uh, campaigns worth. You can build a starting character who can throw a baseball so hard that he can then just put his hand behind his back and catch it as it circles the earth and comes back to him. <laughs> I love that other thing. Or her. I'd really like to see uh, Lady Scions of Thor and Odin and whatnot who have super strength. Well, that's Skler or Sklee. And hit people with buildings. Yeah, that game is, is broken as shit because basically... Once you get up to a high enough level, the only thing you can do is throw other like bad guy scions at your players. At which point, the playing field gets like leveled, as do most cities within a sort of fifty mile radius, and it becomes <laughs> an epic throwdown with a lot of collateral damage. Yeah, so then you have to make sure they don't fight, but then you feel really bad as a GM because you've got a character who can basically like pick up a, an eighteen wheeler and use it to wail on a bad guy. See, and, I'm, yeah. I'm the kind of guy who, when presented with an RPG system, likes to find interesting ways to use it. For example, we talked earlier about Besom, where you can yeah. have your item of power, gives you five times the amount of points that you spend on it. So I did my entire body and made a, a ridiculously overpowered character. Because I was like, I saw an exploit in the system and I wanted to play with it and see what the consequences were. Or Mutants and Masterminds, where I made a character where I spent no points in anything apart from one superpower, which was fate, which was I may or may not be incredibly lucky on any given dice roll. <laughs> so I could either do anything or nothing pretty much on the flip of a coin. 
That was uh, Chaos Theory. My character who, when asked, can you fly a plane, went, let's find out. <laughs> uh, it's just a, it's just a matter of keeping things where they should be, right? <laughs> so, um, Scion should, of course, offer me a world of potential for fucking with it and breaking yeah. it. Yet it is inherently so overpowered, I've never even been tempted to try. Yep. I mean, there, there, there is the chaos purview of, of uh, ability. If like you're a sign of Dionysus or Loki or Baron Samadhi, I think, um, and where essentially or, or set, and where essentially first level ability, which is always your immunity ability, first level of chaos is you are immune to damage that would come to you from a chaotic situation. So you can walk through a riot untouched. Provided you did not cause the chaotic situation. So if you did not cause the riot, you could, you could just walk through a riot completely unarmored and be absolutely fine. And technically, I suppose even it, you might be hurt by the fire in a building fire. Yeah. But the people stampeding to get out, they can't touch you. Yeah, unless you also, if you're a sign of Loki, you can have immunity to fire and chaos. Which is amazing. Yeah. As long as you don't start the fire. Exactly. <laughs> It's it's re although if you're a sign of Loki, the chances of you not starting any fire that turns up is very Pretty low. Slim. Pretty slim. So yeah, that's that's Scion. Is I it tried Scion running that it has once. solipsism as the ability? You are immune to oh, any damage you are not aware was about to happen. Once per session, if you did not see an attack coming, you can completely ignore that attack. So someone can shoot wow. you point blank in the back of the head, but as long as you didn't know they were about to do it, it wouldn't hurt. And you can do it once per scene, and you have to spend a point of legend to do it, which is like your power stat. Um, but yeah, you just ignore the attack. It's crazy. There is some it's really, really fun broken. abilities. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that um, my character, even before attaining godhood, was already so broken that I one-shot a bad guy in a lift shaft so much that you had to throw another one at me. Yep. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. It's a wonderfully broken game. That's pretty amazing. I never even made it. And that's, that's the first book. There are three full-sized books for that RPG. Yes, that was just Scion Hero. Scion uh, Hero. Where you are just a mortal, a near-mortal Scion of a god. They you go are, up you to are demigods. Yep. And god. Final Scion god. Final game, you are a god. You take your you take your place among your family members, among the heavens, and be a god. Huh. It's a bit like playing a, a vampire chronicle from Embrace to Gehenna. By the end of that, you're practically a god. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But not quite... No, because the gods will still kick your ass. Yes. There are, many, there, there are weird power curves in the old uh, World of Darkness games. Yeah, some of, some of the curves look a little bit like brick walls that you run into when it, you meet it, Kane. Well, no, it's like, even outside of this, you take Vampire and you get like, you're starting level Vampire and you're like, holy shit, I can like lift the guy up over my head and like pull him in half or I can mind control people or I can like turn into a bat. Oh my God, this is amazing. And then you come up against a first level werewolf. <laughs> and you're like this is in the old world uh, before they balanced yeah, the books before, before they got balanced uh, the old world of is very fun for looking at these kind of differences because you go okay I can do all this amazing stuff and I am a vampire I am an undead lord of the night 
and then you come against a first level werewolf and you're like, huh, I appear to have become a very fine red mist. <laughs> and well, one it's... of my favorites was a uh, high level vampire against a high level werewolf where it was like, ah, well now I can heal myself as quickly as you can hurt me. So you can't just tear me up with your claws anymore. And the werewolf said, oh, that's fine. I can make sunlight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just go, ah, and just turns into a beam of sunlight. Like fucking hell. Wow. Um, <laughs> And then meanwhile, you've got like, everyone just listens to those two. And they've got Mage being all weird in the corner because you have to do spells that don't look like spells. I have upset so many GMs with Mage. What, the old Mage? Yes. Yeah. Because it's a game where you can fine tune the things you do. So you can, you have a, a sort of a certain amount of power. Uh, so if you want it to be a very powerful attack, then you're, you're going to have limited range. It's going to be very brief, what have you. Um, so I made one that it required line of sight, fine, okay, that was quite low level. Um, it had a certain distance, a pretty good range actually, uh, but it was a tiny, tiny effect. In fact, it was only about a, a square centimeter of um, a couple of milliamps of electrical force. On the uh, heart. On the heart, on <laughs> the brainstem, on... <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and GMs got very upset with that character very quickly. Yeah, was that, uh, oh, hang on, uh, Devnil? No, was that, uh, that was Devnil's Cookie. a character from, Cookie, sorry, yeah, Devnil was a character from Redemption. Yes. Yeah, um, oh, some of your fucking characters, so that's, that's Mage doing that <laughs> in the corner. Um, what do you got, mean some of my fucking characters? Some of your fucking characters, we will get to them in time, trust <laughs> me, there'll be episodes dedicated to each of our characters. Um, Meanwhile, in the, in the corner, you've got Mummy doing its thing where you can... I think one of your high-level abilities, you could make someone's dick fall off. I do not remember that in Mummy. Yeah. Mind you, I never played Mummy because of the skateboards. <laughs> skateboards <laughs> is just something I threw into it. You, don't, you can't blame it for that. Uh, and then Changeling, where you're like, Yay, I'm a pixie. I, I, I am a, a brownie. I can do some amazing repairs, and I get paid in milk and sugar. And then you get to fifth level, you're like, ha <laughs> point at someone and erase them from existence <laughs> they never ever happened wow. but but the ending to changeling was always the same for your character it's really sad the ending of changeling for your character is always you grow up and you stop believing in fairies and so you Aww. no longer get your powers and you forget everything that ever happened you become a banal boring part of the world Actually, in terms of World of Darkness inevitable character endings, that's one of the nicer ones. It is. I mean, there's one of the newer ones that always, always gets me is Promethean. Because the power arc for every other game, apparently, by the looks of things, like Werewolf, it's saved, or it used to be. Werewolf, it used to be save the world. Vampire, it pretty much used to be take over the world. Um, and, and then Promethean, the, 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 the overarching goal is become a human. You are a, a golem or a Frankenstein's monster or you're, you're an automaton. You are something that's been created and brought to life. A homunculus, exactly. And your one overarching goal is become human. You basically have to do the Pinocchio story. Yeah. and it's really a real boy. It's really difficult because inherently there's something within your soul which is slightly flawed and it makes people automatically hate you on sight. And you're just trying to find what it is to become human. And when you do it... The trade-off is when you become human, you lose all of your memories. You forget having ever been a Promethean and you go off into the sunset and will one day end up loathing and hating and trying to kill Prometheans. Which is fine. Oh. You get everything you ever wanted. Yeah. 
it's just it's oh the perfect way to sum that the game up i've always seen done is just like how would you sum up promethean and someone just plays the sad music from the end of every episode of the incredible hulk <laughs> from the 80s <laughs> as your guy just like you saved a town but then everyone hates him so he walks sadly off into the distance into the sunset but of course the inevitable arc of vampire is you hope to either be destroyed completely or become a mindless monster before Gehenna brings the apocalypse. <laughs> and all the oldest vampires wake up and eat everyone. Yep. So it, it's, you know, it's not happy no matter where you are, let's face it. I'd rather just lose all my memories of the, the weird world and walk away into the sunset as a perfectly ordinary human being. Yeah. That sounds like one of the happier endings, the, incredibly, <laughs> the Incredible Hulk sad music. Yeah. It's weird context and, and the ways of looking at things like that, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know another game I, I didn't mention? What? Because logic is a car. Oh, 45. Do you remember that one, Simon? Rings a vague bell, but I'm not the, getting the, details. The Rockabilly B movie RPG. Oh, yeah. Which is all. It's, it's post apocalypse. It's post apocalypse as seen through the eyes of, like. Oh, what's his name? Uh, I was going to say John Waters then, but. Uh, that would be oh, weird. That would be very, very fucking weird. <laughs> uh, Roger Corman. Yes. Yeah. So it's like Attack of the Giant 100-foot ants and also 50-feet women and also uh, bikers and Martians it's and Nazis. It's kind of Nazis. Fallout, but even more B-movie. Yeah, Fallout as seen through like cinema trends rather than musical and social trends. Hmm. And it's it's really messed up and fun. I ran a, a wacky races game using it, which was very weird. People had to make their sort of weird, kitschy fifties uh, rockabilly B movie vehicles, and they were on an amazing race to go and win a million dollars. It was all going well until the blimp turned up, <laughs> <laughs> the zeppelin with the Nazi cannon. It fired Nazis at people. What? And, and Adam and Adam had an arc. He had a giant camper van that was filled with his horrifying half-breed animal crossover things, like God, the, half, that. the half monkey, half flamingo, or the flamonkey mingo. And his co-pilot was the cat bear. Was the bear cat? This is all coming back to me. I had genuinely yeah. erased this game from my memory, <laughs> but it's all coming back to me now. Yep. I'm just going to leave that with you guys there. There's some weird-ass <laughs> games out there. We probably won't talk about 45 because like, I ran it once a million years ago for one session. But we've just talked about it. But we've just mentioned it. Yeah, we won't go into yeah. an episode on it, but there you go. That's 45. Give it a go. It's fucking hilarious. And that's why we like RPGs, because you can play just if you can imagine it. And if it doesn't exist, you make it. You know, it's, uh, for example, I wanted to run a game where the players were police in Gotham City. Uh, because I'm a huge DC Comics fan, and I knew a lot of my players were. And even the ones who weren't were familiar enough with Batman uh, to get it. Yep. And luckily, that was a fun game. World of Darkness, which is the system that drives Vampire, the game we'd all probably had the most familiarity with on average, do the World of Darkness, which is a game where you play an ordinary human being in this world full of horror, and even had expansions where you play a cop. 
so we use those rules to roll up police. Um, precincts. Uh, yes. I was going to say assault on precinct thirteen, but it's I think it's just uh, it's tales from the thirteenth thirteenth precinct. precinct. Yeah. Yep. It is on my shelf. And um, I, I don't I don't believe I told you guys it was going to be Gotham City police until the first session, did I? No. Uh, no, you. Well, you, you I just told, said it was police. Quiet. No, you told me because I specifically remember asking if I could be uh, a sort of underhanded informant uh, working ah, for yes. either the Penguin or um, Black Mask. And in the end, we went for um, uh, peng- uh, Penguin. Yes. I, I worked for Oswald Cobblepot. You did indeed. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a fun game. And there wasn't a, a DC Comics book, but because I wasn't doing superpowers or anything, I just used a police rule system and went yep. with it. It's a really good book as well. It gives you like all the, the um, what's it called, the radio codes and stuff like that, so you can make it sound really authentic. Mm. Very, very it's, fun. One of the things I like about the New World of Darkness is the, the breadth of books available for it. Oh, God, uh, yeah. Slasher, if you want to run a story with a, a slasher serial killer. Slasher is a whole amazing. book about that. Slasher or indeed, if you want to run a book where characters are a team of slasher serial killers, the rules are there. If you want to play a game where everyone plays 80s dead teenager movie serial killing monsters like Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, and what the fuck kind of game are you planning? But also, <laughs> amazing. But also, there is a book for that. And it has... Like, ways to run mechanics for, like, oh, maybe the killer can only be killed on a certain day, uh, or maybe he's invincible on one night, or maybe he only kills once a year and then he returns to the grave from whence he came, and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, if, if, your character, if you're playing a female character, then there's that chance that you will be the last one left alive. I died so quickly in my first game. Which, what was your first game? My first slasher was a... Um, oh, slasher, yeah. Um, was a... Uh... The, the the high school. Yes, because I've run two of them so far. I've run essentially yeah. Escape from Innsmouth, and I've run uh, a high school one where like it was essentially Friday the Thirteenth. No wait, um, not uh, Halloween. Sorry, not Friday. Yeah, Halloween. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a really fun game to run. Uh, what other ones you got? You got Innocence is a really fucked up one because you get to play as kids, and kids in the world of darkness are. You know, they're in a much worse place than kid, you know uh, kids in the real world. But they're also in quite a good place in the world of darkness because one of the the driving things of world of darkness is people are victims because they don't believe the horrible thing can happen. Yeah, and people can't defend themselves because they don't have true faith. Um, kids have both; they have belief yeah. and faith because they don't know any better. <laughs> So yeah, there's um, stuff like that. There's um, uh, Dogs of War if you want to play soldiers. Um, there's a lot of games if you want to play soldiers. Oh yeah, uh, Inferno for de- for demon summoning and whatnot. Just to just to perk up uh, Jack Chick's ears again. <laughs> uh, oh, I just found out as well. Over the Edge was made by the same um, same author as Feng Shui. Yes. Who also wrote the Trail of Cthulhu, which is one of my favourite RPGs of all time. Um, just, just to uh, we talk about a little mechanic here. Call of Cthulhu, really famous for uh, the sanity mechanic, 
if you see something or, or encounter something which is damaging to a person's psyche and sanity, chances are your character might go completely batshit insane. And this will happen in a number of different ways. Usually your character, your, the, the, the DM will take you to one side and say, okay, from now on your character has an irrational fear of something that caused the, 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 the breakdown. Uh, or he'll say, oh, you now, uh, whenever this happens, you have to start doing, whenever X happens, you have to start doing Y. Like a, a compulsion kind of thing. But Trailer of Cthulhu is one of my all-time favorite games because you don't keep track of your own sanity score. The GM takes track of your sanity score and will basically, when it reaches a, a certain a critical point and you break, will take you to one side to give you a bit of helpful information that your character has found out. And he'll say, okay, I'm going to leave you with this. Just read through this and I'll come get you in a moment. We'll then go back into the main room with the rest of the players and say, right, for the rest of this adventure tonight, I want you all to occasionally glance at Simon, who's, who's in the other room, when he comes back, right? Make little comments to each other. Just whisper under your breath to each other. One of you, like, chuckle. Pass notes to each other. And when he, if he starts asking about anything, he's like, oh, no, no, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, that's nothing. So rather than telling him he's playing a paranoid character you architect a situation where he can't trust anyone. Exactly. Because he doesn't know whether they're actually passing notes, whether it's him perceiving it, that whether that's them trying to play into his character's persona. Maybe they are actually passing notes to one another. You know, so you can't trust the players, so your character can't trust the other characters. It's, it's really messed up, and I lo absolutely love it. Note passing and pulling people aside can be one of the most powerful mechanics for running a game. <laughs> Um, I once passed someone, as, as the guy running the game, I once passed someone a note that read, I am passing you a note, look at me like I've killed your cat, and then hand it back. <laughs> oh. And I was just trying to get everyone to pay attention to that character a little bit, because suddenly the GM had said something to them that had really pissed them off. Yeah. And that was all I did. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I love passing notes that say things like laugh and then people will and then look a bit confused and it, it, it gets people thinking. Yeah, mostly gets them worrying. Yes. These are all things that paranoia does really, really well. Especially if you start passing notes like that in a game of paranoia. <laughs> and then occasionally you have to pull someone aside and explain the entire plot of the game to them because they achieved what was it, five times five? She got 25 successes. On, on one die, wasn't it? Yeah, well, she basically dominates... She, Rowan, this is, this is back during uh, the second vampire campaign, the one in New York. Yes. Because uh, there was London, New York, and Detroit. Um, and basically, yeah, Rowan's character was a Ventru who was, in break, he was turned into a vampire in the 80s. He was a, the 80s guy. Yes. Mixed with uh, Patrick Bateman from, from American Psycho. Power suits, uh, big phone, uh, yeah, the full-on 80s yuppie character. He, he, he went into a pawn shop and, and vampire mind-controlled the owner into telling him what he knew. Which was everything. But got 25 successes in the role. Just to give you an idea, your, your roles, if you get one success, that's, you know, you've succeeded. You get three successes, that's a good success. If you get five successes, that's like unheard of. That's a crazy critical success that like you've done the best you possibly can do. So to get 
25 successes. That is five exceptional results. Uh, where five good results is an exceptional result. So that is a critical number of critical successes. And I was like, okay, Rowan, come with me. I'm going to tell you the entire plot. And I just told her everything <laughs> and then forbade her from sharing it with anyone. <laughs> wow. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Weird shit like that can happen. You can also, like, as the GM, you can just start fudging things. Like when my, uh, when I think it was Kaylee's character tried to summon everyone to her and <laughs> did it a little too well. So There is up... a mechanical explanation for what happened. Yes. It's in the rules. We, we, but we will get into that during the episode. But the important thing is, my character could not afford a phone, so instead he had a rat <laughs> on a stick and received a phone call on it. Yep, oh, his rat wow. rang. Yep, but again, we'll get into that. In the... <laughs> yes, just beep, hello. <laughs> I actually pressed the rat as well. Really uh, um, but yeah, like I said, that actually, I I admit, I went back and found this out later. But that is actually explained within the game mechanics what happened there. Occasionally, so, you could do so well that you you tap into an unknown power. Another thing you can do as a GM if you want to keep your players on edge is just roll a die or a number of die without telling them why. Yep. Just as but, they're doing things, as they're talking about things, just roll a few dice, look at the result nod as if it's interesting to you and then put the dice aside do you know my favorite one for that is pick on a player and say hold it hold the dice in front of them and say high or low i do that one all the time as you <laughs> may have noticed odds odds or evens yep yeah you guys do do that and the, and the thing and the thing is jack plays in my rpgs and how he's yeah. going to be wondering every time i do that he's going to be wondering is this bullshit or is this actually going to get me killed because sometimes <laughs> it's legit Sometimes yep. you're just going to keep them on their toes. Jack. Yep. Not even from now. I've always been like that. It's not new information. When it's like that, you just have to you just have to assume that you're going to die. Yeah. It's like thinking as any game I play with Phil in it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like any game with Philip, am I going to trust him? No, <laughs> no. Um, Hi, like, can I trust him? High or low? Shit. <laughs> yeah, you so, can totally trust him. Damn it. One thing I want to just leave us on because we've been yep. going a couple of hours. We can probably wrap up. Oh yeah. Is yeah. Most games use a dice mechanic, whether it's a d6 or it's d10s or it's the whole range of polyhedral dice, but not all of them. Uh, for example, Prime Time Adventures uh, oh. uses a deck of playing cards. And it's very simple. If you've got the edge in a competition, you'll have more cards than the other person. Uh, and if it's a 50-50 chance, you'll have the same number of cards. The person who deals the most red cards wins. And if you tie, then the highest value of the face cards and picture cards and so on until it's aces high. Uh, and one of my favorite mechanics ever was one I shared with you, Jack. And I don't know if you ended up running this game. But with Halloween coming up, if you want to run a Halloween game for your friends, it's a survival horror game. Maybe it's a slasher, maybe it's the situation. For whatever reason, characters are in a tense situation, have to get out of it, and they're going to die. So you set up a Jenga stack. Ah. And each time a character... You, there's no character sheets, no rules. It's just whenever a character wants to take a chance, whenever they want to do something that will risk their life, have them play a brick of Jenga. Yep. So the, the night starts out pretty easy. 
because you're not taking too many chances, and when you are, they're pretty easy. But as the night goes on, everything you do that's risky is getting closer and closer to inevitable death. <laughs> Someone's going to die. I haven't run a game like that, but I have played in one. Uh, I have played in... It was an Eclipse phase. Um, no. Was it, Eclipse? it was Eclipse phase, not Fading Suns. There we go. That's what I was getting mixed up. Fading Suns is the Dune RPG. Yes, basically. Uh, Eclipse phase. Again, they the, couldn't afford the license, but everything about that game screams Dune. Oh, definitely. Um, Eclipse phase is the sort of transhuman uh, post-scarcity uh, weird post-apocalyptic RPG with stargates and stuff. And I was playing a robot, but nobody knew he was a robot. Um, it's called Isaac. Uh, and yeah, that was how he did mechanics for that, was playing a game of Jenga. I was rather good at it, from what I recall. <laughs> But I did fuck everyone else over because I took them from the bottom. Like, right from the bottom. You are a douche. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, you have to take two. And I went, okay, cool, and grabbed the two at the very base of the tower, like, <laughs> and just pulled them out. Like the, like the, yeah, at the same time, like the, uh, like the, 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 the tablecloth trick. I just pulled them out. And it was fine. And they just placed them on the top. You, sir, are an asshole. Yes, yes, I am. And, and on I just that sat note. there, and, I just sat there and prayed that I wouldn't be the next person that had to use the tower. That's amazing. <laughs> I think that's a good spot to leave it on, actually. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. On me being an asshole. So there you go. That is a little bit of what to expect from the Roll With It episodes. Uh, we'll come back to wargaming, and I guess board gaming fits in the category as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, basically, if, if you have to roll a dice, then this is where you'll find us. But until then, this has been World 1 Stage 1. I have been Simon. I have been Jack. And I have been Irish. Goodbye. Or a cat. Bye! <laughs> Bye!